0: Welcome to 2 Age Sojourner, a podcast that explores what it means to be Christian in light of the overlap of the ages. Stay tuned. Well, here we are, Thursday Theology, going to be thinking a little bit more about some good stuff. And uh, we had a few good conversations. Those things got uh, messed up in the recording. So, oh, well, that's gone. Uh, we, we didn't script it. We're not going to try and bring it back. Um, but, you know, to the degree that those those topics resurface, uh, fine, we'll go there again. Uh, but we, we want to be thinking a little bit more about theology. And uh, one of the things that I was really happy with, with the discussion we had previously, was um, our... Um, uh, we were talking about books that we had read, great books this year, um, and uh, that was a great discussion on its own right. Um, uh, it's important to take stock of those things, I think, every once in a while. But yeah, we spoke about some of my favorite reads, I suppose, uh, and and so that's why I like that recording. Um, one of the guys that we spoke about was uh, Jordan Peterson, and uh, that was good, wasn't it, Nick?
1: Yeah, Jordan Peterson, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, but I tell you what instead of going down their track again, and uh, we did make reference to uh, Lee Irons' um, uh, review, which really did a great mm-hmm. job. Um, so we'll post that. I'll put that on the show notes. Or if not, actually, I, won't, I probably won't put it on the show notes. Who am I kidding? Um, you know, go ahead and just look at Goodreads. You know, just uh, search up Jordan Peterson's thing. Twelve Rules for Life. That's right. And... Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's just very good, very insightful. And uh, much of what we were saying came out of that. But if you read that article, you'll get the best of it anyway. Um, but but let's, yeah. uh, we didn't get around to talking about some of your good reads for the year. Uh, Nick, why don't you uh, start us off yeah, this time?
1: well, let me, it's so if you had to ask me what's my top read of the year, it's down to two books um, James Dolzile's All That Is in God. Mm-hmm. That was. Monumentally excellent. Mm, uh, got mm, it as an audio book. Mm. to it twice within the first week of getting it.
0: Tell us about Just that. Really, well, I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's uh, obviously it's it's an investigation of classical theism.
0: Yeah.
1: So basically, uh, what the premise of the, uh, the the thesis of the book is that we have drifted from uh, better earlier forms of uh, theology proper, and it's it's now called classical theism and it's a return to the theology proper, that's the doctrine of God, that the medieval church, the Roman Catholic church, mm-hmm. the reformers, and the reformed scholastics all would have held in common. So in other words, if you had asked any, anyone from the medieval all the way to the reformed scholastics to define the trinity mm-hmm. or the doctrine of God, they would have been using the same vocabulary. Mm. Um, it would have been a vocabulary that was borrowed strongly from philosophy A lot of Aristotelian concepts Mm -hmm. like uh, God is pure actuality, the impassibility of God, the simplicity of God, certain definitions of uh, eternality, supernatural, supra temporal definitions. Um, So, all of that would have been held in common. And then, after the Enlightenment, what happened was the death of metaphysics. Mm -hmm. And only true knowledge is only that knowledge that you can verify through the senses. Just empirical, yeah. You know, the whole. Mm and distinction between the noumenal and yes. the, the phenomena
0: now let's yeah. let's move slowly there because I know um, I know the pain of, of uh, getting lost on those things and you want to track so um, okay just just pulling it back a little bit we'll come back to um, the noumenal, phenomenal deal um, but maybe just even to start at the starting point and, and to interject there and try and draw as much as you can remember out of that book um, that much of the critique um, for a classical theism is rests on the fact that we're borrowing too, too much from uh, Aristotelian thought. Uh, would you agree with that?
1: Um, I would say no. Um, I think as we've discussed before, there's a ministerial use and a magisterial use of philosophy. Right. Um, and the Bible itself gives us the example for bur- borrowing from philosophy uh, in John 1, doesn't it? Right. The totally. Logos. Yeah. That's a concept that both Jews and Greeks would have had. Yep. but John takes it he renovates it and he uses it to bring the truth about God to the fore So and I think the theology does it in the same way
0: yeah no that's good so you often hear people I mean I think this 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 was definitely something with the open world theism debate um, a while back yep. you know they were like well we're just sort of launching into our you know Greek definitions or our Aristotelian, uh, version of theology and sort of creating God uh, through their framework and lens, uh, rather well,
1: than yeah, Neoplatonic versions. Yeah,
0: right, exactly. And and uh, rather than giving t- attention to the text, they would argue and seeing the immanence of God and, and and all of those things. And uh, it, much of it, yeah. much of the same uh, problem has has emerged with the impassibility issue, right? Definitely. Yeah, and we're yeah. saying, uh, no, actually, actually, um, it was good. It was good that we used Aristotelian categories. It was good that we used good thinking, right? Yeah,
1: it's good that we use philosophical, you know, nuances in terms of definition. Yeah. So I mean, one one big sort of emphasis in the book is the nature of how we talk about God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when when you make an a- assertion about who God is, we call that predicating something about God. Right. And nature of predication about God in the language of Scripture, the way in which language is used is always analogical. Yeah. So, analogical predication. Uh, so, univocal, equivocal, and analogical are the three categories. Right. Univocal is, when I say my dog is good and I say God is good, I mean good in the same way. Yes. And that's when you confuse the Creator with the creature. Right. Um, and we can't speak about God because there is a category difference between us and God.
0: Right. That's that ontology thing again. Yep. Good.
1: Yep. The Creator-Creature gap is absolutely <laughs> vital to maintain. Uh-huh. And uh, we we would assert that the Bible... Doesn't speak univocally when it describes God. It's right. always, it's always speaking analogically. It, uh, to equivocate in language is to say something and to mean nothing like what you're saying. Yeah. So when I say God is good, I actually mean that He's evil. Or um, <laughs> yeah, I can't even get it any right. any any uh, conceptual closeness to the concept. Right. So and we're, we're saying no. The, the the God who has revealed Himself and who has made our minds to understand Him has communicated in order to be understood and although we don't know him exhaustively we
0: yeah yeah and so
1: analogical predication becomes important as the Slightly. the middle ground which says like but unlike
0: yeah Just, You know yeah like analogy yeah yeah good I can think of somewhat like I can think of theological groups that have um, gone the univ uh, univocal or univocal route. Um, yeah um, I can't, and that would be those who, um, who really fail to see anthropomorphism sometimes and just sort of, yep. you know, Mormon, uh, yeah, Mormons, that's right. I can't think of hand of those uh, who go in the other direction though, who equivocate. Well, I suppose that would be Greek Orthodoxy, um, so wouldn't
1: equivocates it? equivocates would, would be, uh, so I'm just trying to think now.
0: The cataphonic theology. Today. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, yes. So basically, um, Oh, forgetting the Greek philosopher. There was an early Greek philosopher who basically, he used uh, apophatic theology, but only to say that we can never know God. Uh, I suppose uh, Colbert would be an
0: extreme. Mm, There we go. That's great. Yeah.
1: God is unlike everything that we know.
0: Right. So emphasize the transcendence. Yeah. Yeah. Good, that's great. Yeah, so those are good, uh, helpful ways just to kind of put put this in ter- terms of the storyline. Um, okay, so basically, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, uh, what is the title of the book? Sorry, that uh, uh, he wrote.
1: All that is in God, and so the the sort of the one liner that he's trying to borrow from is all that is in God is God. Right. So God is not made up of parts. Uh huh. You know, He is a simple being. We, what we mean by simple is that He's. Not that he's stupid, but that he is altogether himself. Mm-hmm. He's not divided within himself. He's not dependent upon anything for himself to come to the place of what he is or who he is.
0: Right. Um, is the book driving at uh, classical theism in general? Is it just a theology or doctrine of God or is it is it trying to set up impassibility?
1: So what it's doing is it's basically saying, guys, we, are, we call ourselves Calvinists. We call ourselves reform. We call ourselves confessional, but we've drifted. And so it's basically a, a call to return right. to the earlier, stronger, more biblical understanding of God. And there's some interaction with some uh, modern guys who are getting it wrong, mm-hmm. who've made some capitulations, mm-hmm. um, some big names that we would all love to read and <laughs> would <we're> too scared <laughs> to criticize ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, very, uh, overall, an incredibly helpful book. Wow. Very. Uh, I mean, it's, I suppose uh, just to describe my own j- journey, you know, there are various paradigms mm. you go through. So, yeah. firstly, there's no God in your universe, and then there's God. Yeah. And then now I'm an Arminian. and then you go through the next paradigm shift, which is okay from an Armenian God to a to the God of Calvinism or to the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then there's the next paradigm shift, which is you know to the God of Neo-Calvinism to the God of Classical
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And it's 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 sort of the next logical step. Yeah. Um, in terms of depth and getting back to the historical rootedness of our faith.
0: Mm, mm-hmm, that's good. So you you were saying um <clears throat> that in terms of his argument we we're getting uh beyond the metaphysical when we abandon metaphysics pretty much with the uh with the Kantian um distinction between yeah, phenomenal so, and noumenal. So yeah.
1: So Immanuel Kant came you know the the the, the reason faith divide. Yes. Okay. And came in and he divided faith from reason. See, basically what he did is what everyone accuses Aquinas of doing, of separating nature and grace. Yeah. So you can have something that's, that's established and true in grace, but it doesn't agree with what's in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a false division. We mm-hmm. would reject that division. Yeah. And that, that division rests on man's ability to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so man is the measure of all things. So if man can't agree or if man can't see or if man can't prove, it can't be true. Yeah. Or it can't be put in the reason of knowledge or fact. Right, it was it's almost be like a in the reason, yeah, the reason was, and realm of facts.
0: As I understand it, like I remember with uh, going through Kant stuff, I mean, basically, you know, it's, he's dealing with hardcore, was it uh, David Hume or the empiricism, um, yep. you know, that was just so strong. It was just denying any possibility of anything beyond uh, that which you could empirically uh, prove. And uh, that left you without morality, it left you without uh, all sorts of any metaphysical idea, anything beyond physics.
1: Basically, he would say you can't verify faith statements.
0: And, and actually, that gets, uh, we actually had a discussion about the whole apo- presuppositional apologetics and uh, the place of, of evidence and. All of that, so we might we might get back to it or not. But uh, sticking for a moment with um, this uh, classical doctrine of God thing, uh, who would you uh, who would you recommend that book to? I mean, who is that for right now? Um, You know, at what point would it be a seasonal read?
1: So, if you are uh, thinking deeply about your theology proper, your doctrine of God, um, I would say it's it's critical for uh, even beginners to get into it. Just if if not to Fully understand it, at least to get some familiarity with the concepts and the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's. I think it's just critical to your doctrine of God. For, you know, does God change, or you know, it's? I think it's fundamental in this in this sense. Mm-hmm. What is God, mm. and what are we, and what is the difference between God and us, mm. and what is the nature of God's being? And so, in our worship, do we want to make Him like us, or do we want to worship? him as, he, as he's revealed himself. Mm. So worship is impacted by this book. Yeah. Um, other things are impacted, like how do we see God's love in relation to all of his other attributes? Mm. Do we see his love trumping his holiness mm, or is great. it in harmony with his holiness? Mm. Um, so just how you understand our usual discussions about the attributes of God and yeah. how God in his own being is a simple being in terms of his attributes. Mm, okay. He's not made up of parts yeah um so yeah i I think it it impacts on every area Mm -hmm. so from the earliest time you can i think you know nail this down yeah it does take a bit of uh groundwork Mm -hmm. um i don't know about you but whenever i read a book if it's a brand new area that i've never read before the first reading is just becoming familiar with some of the terms and concepts yeah and i may not necessarily understand the line of argument and then the second reading is okay now i've got the basic vocab and i think i know what most of the words mean Mm. i can begin to string the concepts together and see how he's making them interact
0: totally yeah that's great Um, you almost have to do that with any decent book that's stretching you um yeah you know yeah that's great um okay so uh what's the what's the author's name again james who Dolizal.
1: james d-o-l-e-z-a-l I think, he's an up-and-coming reformed baptist and he is excellent
0: yeah okay yeah. so hey get it that's a that's a good pro tip on reading and that's a good um uh book to get stuck into i know a couple of people not, right now who are reading that and absolutely loving it it's it's a good meaty uh, book the only thing that i've um, i haven't gotten i, I remember reading uh Bavink's, um uh doctrine of god and uh I oh, met, it. it was great did you read that
1: Yep, busy reading it. Fantastic. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, wow. It's it's great, isn't it? Uh, also difficult, but um, he just covers all the angles. It's in much the same way. That would argument.
1: actually be much easier and a great introduction to Isle. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay, also, perfect. it would be a good if you want to read something before Isle, which would give you a lot of the concepts up front, but in a yeah. much simpler way. Well, I think it's very good.
0: Hey, excellent. Hey, well that's good. Um hey, yeah. let's let's wrap it up there. That's a good topic on its own. Um theology of god theology proper um and uh at the same time a good book to get into uh we'll, we'll pick it up with another book recommendation uh in the next show thanks nick cool man thanks for joining us today at two age Sojourn.